0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome in to the latest edition of 5th avenue face off presented to you by armstrong business solutions go to armstrongonewire.com hi i'm chris mack how are you if you're watching this then you're on the 93.7 the fan youtube page and we appreciate you watching if you're listening we appreciate you doing so inside your free odyssey app a-u-d-a-c-y make sure you tap the little follow button up there in the upper right hand corner to get notified as soon as new episodes are available or wherever you get your podcast, Be sure to follow, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you use, be sure to stick it with 5th Avenue Faceoff, whether it's follow, subscribe, whatever you get got to tap to get notified as soon as new episodes are available. And thanks again to Armstrong Business Solutions for jumping on as a sponsor of 5th Avenue Faceoff. All right, let's dive right in. Last time we talked, things were not in a good place, right? Four-game losing streak. This team looking lost, having gone a month without a power play goal. And here come the young, fresh Arizona Coyotes into PPG Paints Arena. Logan Cooley, the big story, the West Mifflin kid. You definitely saw it if you watched the game. You heard or read about it at some point, whether you got to watch the game or not on Tuesday night. Logan, a West Mifflin kid. Who grew up in the Sidney Crosby learned to play hockey program and playing for the junior pens before moving on to other places and eventually getting drafted uh, by the Arizona Coyotes a couple years ago and he is at the core of what they're doing out there in Arizona plus a couple other familiar faces right Jason Zucker who figured in on one of the goals in Tuesday's game Nick Bugstad, who had left for a while and is now back with the Coyotes the Coyotes actually a team that I mean. I would say surprisingly, at least uh, uh, according to expectations, surprisingly good this year. Uh, right there on the edge of the playoff race, or in the thick of the playoff race, I guess I should say, in the Western Conference, they are the second wild card right on the line there, just a point ahead of Edmonton and St. Louis as this podcast is recorded on Thursday afternoon. Uh but what you got Tuesday night at home against the coyotes with Tristan Jari in goal. And what you got Wednesday night up in Montreal. Oh, you like that? Oh, we oui, oui. um I've never actually heard a French person, by the way, or a French speaker, a francophone say we oui, oui. like I just did is oui, oui. Uh it's much more sophisticated than that. Come on. Um but whether you, you got it Tuesday night at home against the Coyotes with Jari in net, or Wednesday night in Montreal with Alex Nedeljkovic in net, you got the Pittsburgh Penguins, other than the first period against Montreal, playing solid hockey. Now, you can't just remove one-sixth of what we've seen in the last two games, but what you can do is appreciate what's worked well for the other five-sixths of... Those games, more than that, really. If you include overtime in Montreal and in a very elongated shootout, thank you, Jansen Harkins, for finally doing something uh, redeemable this year. We won't immediately send you back to Scranton, perhaps uh, when the roster is completely healthy. But it was important for the Pens to get off the schneid in all seriousness and to possibly start a winning streak of their own here uh, as they now head to Toronto. For the rest of the dad's trip, the conclusion of the dad's trip against uh, a Maple Leafs team that, well, they've been playing fairly well as of late. Just one regulation loss in their last ten games, Uh, six wins, fifteen points. Yeah, they're they're moving along at a pretty good clip. Have climbed into third in the Atlantic Division, uh, just behind Florida, and a good five points, handful of points behind the Boston Bruins. So we'll see how Saturday goes uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we'll see if the Penguins can start to turn this into a bit of a winning streak, because then it's the Wild and Hurricanes at home, and a trip to Ottawa before a little Christmas break, a three-day Christmas break, Christmas Eve, Christmas, and Boxing Day off for the Pens, and then they head out to Long Island. Point is this, if the power play clicks, everything changes, and we saw that in the last two games, against Arizona and Montreal. We'll get to Sidney Crosby because I would like to call to order a meeting of the Sidney Crosby Appreciation Society. And we will get to the backup goaltending, which was once again very good. And we will get to what the GM slash team president had to say, president of Hockey Ops, I guess I should say, when Kyle Dubas spoke to the media earlier this week before these two wins. But let's start with the power play finally getting off the schneid and going four for eight in those two wins over the Coyotes and the Canadiens. Two for five against Arizona, two for three against Montreal. And three of those four goals are going to be key to this power play, continuing to find success going forward. Three, Three of them were all Using a much different tactic than anything we've seen from this struggling power play up until this point this season. And it was a low to high flow on the power play. We're so used to seeing Evgeny Malkin and Eric Carlson out on the perimeter, just playing patty cake with the puck, right? We've called it that a number of times this year patty cake and then there's a turnover and then it goes back the other way and we're playing with the puck way out high in the offensive zone and then when we take shots inevitably they get blocked or if they get to the net they they don't get there in a way that's productive or the puck just gets passed around the perimeter not what we got against Arizona and Montreal what we got on three of the four power play goals scored in a little bit more than a 24-hour period is the puck moving low to high. And we'll start with the Jake Gensel goal that broke the drought on Tuesday against Arizona. Go back and watch that one. What you're going to see is the way this thing should operate, at least the top power play, if not both power play units, the way this thing should operate going forward, which is Sidney Crosby down low in his office, as it were. He is... Down below the, I don't know if there's a better player in the league right now at playing with the puck down below the offensive goal line than Sidney Crosby. And I don't think there's been a better player since he came into the league at playing with the puck down below the offensive goal line. Really, the only player I can think of who's more dangerous or has been more dangerous with the puck behind the net in the history of the league than Sidney Crosby is. Wayne Gretzky, and that that's it. That's the list. You want a guy who can make things happen from behind the net? I'm sure there's someone I'm forgetting, and I'll get a, a tweet or a, a mention uh, on social media from someone who remembers somebody, and by all means, bring it. Uh, I'm, I'm here for the suggestions because I don't think anybody's better at it than Crosby. So absolutely, we want the power play to start down low with Sid below the goal line. Go back and watch that Jake Gensel goal that broke the power play drought. That's exactly what it is. It's Sid working down low, feeding it out front to Jake Gensel in the low slot. Bang, goal scored, drought broken, power play looks somewhat fixed. And then it happened again in the third period, Tuesday night, with the second power play unit. And this is what I liked about it. This is what I like about a guy like Lars Eller uh, ending up on the second power play. What I like about Chris Letang being moved off the first power play and onto the second one. He's found a new focus there. What I like about a guy like Jeff Carter, who At times, in the last year and a half, we've scratched our heads and asked, why is this guy still around? But he proves it with a shorty and a power play goal on Tuesday night. The power play goal starts with Lars Eller picking up a rebound, a big rebound too. Um, Takes the rebound, carries it down into the right wing corner, almost into the trapezoid, and then dishes it out to Riley Smith who's right on the edge of the right circle. Or if you're watching the game on TV, the bottom circle, the near circle. And Smith then quickly moves it to to Chris Letang out at the point for a shot. Letang takes a big, heavy shot. And what's big Jeff Carter do? He just gets in front and cleans up the mess. Tips the puck in for a deflection and a goal two for five on the power play against Arizona Tuesday night and the puck moving from Eller to Smith to Latang, and then bang for a shot low to high and the shot comes. They, th- this has been the new trend you've seen in power plays and offensive attacks in general over the last three to four years. I don't know why the Penguins are just jumping on board with this now, but rather than side to side, which goalies and defensemen are always very good at tracking. Now, look, you got a two-on-one and the puck going back and forth. Something like that is hard for a goalie to hang with. But when you've got a consistent half-court attack and a team is set up in the offensive zone, side-to-side, to be quite honest, especially on the power play, depending on how the PK is structured, can sometimes be easier to defend, many times easier to defend, than low to high, and then the shot coming back. It really does work to stretch the PK out, especially if it's a box alignment, the, the wingers get way out on the points and then the puck comes back in on the shot or the defenseman overcommit down below the goal line. And they, what it does is it opens up what's called the house, right? That low slot area, really from the dots down in to the top of the blue paint. And that's what's working for the Penguins power play right now. You saw it in both power play goals on Tuesday night. And then in the Gensel power play goal on Wednesday night as well. Again, it's, it's basically working that low to high flow. This time with just two guys. The two best scorers on the team right now, Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby. Sid works it low to Jake Gensel up high, then back down to Sid. And then Sid back to Gensel. For the shot and the goal. Just literally a little give and go between the two of them. And it worked perfectly. Now. I will say this. On the final power play goal of these two victories. The one that Crosby scored. uh, With a huge blast from uh, up in the zone. Against Montreal. It started with a little bit of Malkin Carlson patty cake. They were tempted to. Malkin goes to Carlson. Carlson wants to go back to Malkin, but doesn't immediately. Instead, he goes to Sid, and Sid just rips it. Sid says, screw it. We're done playing patty cake here on this power play. We're taking shots. And so rather than sitting there with the prolonged back and forth between Carlson and Malkin out high, what you're seeing is a lot more work with the puck down low between Crosby and Gensel. Makes sense, doesn't it? Absolutely. We want Carlson and Malkin to be used to carry the puck up the ice and into the zone on the power play. But then at that point, again, unless Gino has got some wide open backdoor opportunity or has danced somebody on the half wall and is now the man down low below the goal line, there's no reason to have him handling the puck too much or Carlson handling the puck too much other than when it needs to be reset at the top of the zone. Let Crosby and Gensel, Gensel in the slot, Crosby below the goal line, serve as the hub for the power play off of which everything else spokes, right? So I I think the power play looks, I don't want to say it's been fixed, but four for eight in the last two games, two power play goals in each and Crosby and Gensel driving this thing more so than Carlson and Malkin, that's a good sign. Love with the power play is showing us and gives me hope that this, this can become more than just a two-game winning streak as well.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
1: It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding Surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. One other thing I wanted to talk about before we get to uh, what Kyle Dubas had to say uh, earlier in the week and the Sidney Crosby Appreciation Society meeting that I'd like to have to wrap things up here today. Ned. Oh, old needle nose Ned. Ned the head. Ned Ryerson. No. Alex Nedeljkovic, AKA Ned. Um, Love the job he did in the final two periods and especially in the shootout on Wednesday night in Montreal. Among goalies with six starts, how about this? There are 67 goalies right now in the league who've started at least six games. So everybody's gotten their backup a decent amount of work. And in some cases, a third string goalie because of injuries has gotten a few starts as well. So 67 goaltenders in the league have gotten six starts or more this year. Of those 67 goaltenders with six or more starts, do you know who's sixth in the league with a 229 goals against average? Yes. Alex Nedeljkovic, Ned. And do you know who's first, Among those 67 goalies with a 935 save percentage. Yes, Alex Nedeljkovic. This guy has been a godsend for the Penguins goaltending. And what's interesting to me is that I saw it was noted, I think in Josh Yoey's column for the Athletic, that the Pens, despite being the oldest team in the league, are 4-0 on the second night of back-to-back situations. And they got a lot more coming. Hold on, let me bust out the schedule and we'll just look at how many more back-to-backs they have, okay? They've got one more before the end of the year, December 30th and 31st, right? Okay, I'm gonna count now. This is me counting on my fingers. And then another one at the end of January, Florida and Montreal, both at home though. And then how about this? Here's where the back-to-backs start to come a little heavier. You've got two in February, the 9th, 10th, and the 14th and 15th. Not long after the All-Star break, okay? We're up to four now, I think. And then, here we go. Here come the weekend back-to-backs, because it's spring. Each weekend, each of the first three weekends in March, I should say, the Penguins play back-to-backs. On the road at Calgary and Edmonton, then away at Boston before coming home to play the Oilers, then uh, a a back-to-back at home against the Rangers and the Red Wings. So, three more just in the month of March. And then another one to start the month of April. And that will give them, let's see, so I'm doing math, 12, I think, back-to-backs this year. Good sign so far that they are 4-0 and in the second half of those back-to-backs. A big part of that, Alex Nadelkovich. He has started three of those four second games in a back-to-back scenario. The only one he didn't start the second game of was when they flipped him because they wanted Jari to play against Toronto. And against Buffalo, that didn't work out for Nadelkovich so well. But here nor there, the reason they're 4-0 in the second half of back-to-back so far with eight more of them staring them in the face is Alex Nadelkovich. Jari, by the way, I, I just noticed this as well while perusing goaltending stats as I did. Jari's 21 starts, tied for third most in the league. Here's a question. Like, I understand you've got 12 back-to-backs baked into the schedule. There's 12 starts right there for Alex Nadelkovich, okay? But that leaves a healthy number of games for Tristan Jari, pardon me, to pick up. Let's cool it. Nadelkovich is playing well. Play him a little bit more. See if he continues to play that well. If he doesn't, okay, we dial it back a bit. But why not alternate these guys for a while? Keep both of them fresh, especially Jari. And then look, once you get to February, maybe you want to step on the gas and play Jari a little bit more. Keeping in mind, like I said, when March rolls around, you're going to have back-to-backs on the first three weekends. You're still going to have to use Nedeljkovic. But why not? Even things out a little bit more. This isn't a knock against Jari either. Jari's played better as of late, I think. Um, it's more about praise for Alex Nadelkovich. Play him a little bit more. Keep Jari fresh. I'd have no problem with that. Uh, So the power play looking good the last couple of games. Nadelkovich looking good on the second half of back-to-backs. What's this mean for the next 20 games? Actually, 18, I guess. Because when Kyle Dubas spoke to the media on, was it Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning? I can't remember now. It's the holidays. Everything blurs together. Anyway, it was a few days ago before the Arizona-Montreal back-to-back. Kyle Dubes spoke to the media and said, hey, I, I'm not making any rash decisions. You know, we, we know things are not going well, and they weren't at that point. Four-game losing streak in hand. Um, the one thing he did say, Mike Sullivan's the right guy. Mike Sullivan's not going anywhere, and I continue to back that up. I said this on 93.7 The Fan on Wednesday night when I was on the air. Um, Mike Sullivan is not the reason this team is struggling. You know, there are a lot of people, I've worked with some of them in the past, who don't watch hockey. They just don't. And hey, if hockey's not your bag, fine. You're probably not listening to this podcast, right? It's fine. I got no problem with it. But don't pretend like you understand when a team is struggling what it may need if you don't watch that team at all right if you don't go to the practices at least some of them if you don't watch the games intently and there would be people who would constantly 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 bang on the head coach when this team would start to struggle and they'd say oh it's got to be Sullivan it's got to be Sullivan it's got to be Sullivan i've i've stood by Sullivan the entire way and it's because mike sullivan knows what needs to be done with his personnel. He knows how they need to play. They just don't listen to him sometimes. It, I swear to God, that's it. You can go back. Watch watch how they played in the wake of that five-game winning streak to start November. The The, the few games after that where they started to hit the skids when they lost, I think, nine of 12 at one point. It's because they weren't doing what Sullivan wanted them to do. They played well for five games, doing what Sullivan wanted them to do. And then they thought, oh, we're back. Yeah, no, 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 no. You were back because of the way you were playing. You can't get out of those habits. They did. They got out of the habits. They lost 9-12 to or you know, 3-6-3, whatever it was. So Sullivan's not the problem. Dubas said that. What was more interesting about what Dubas had to say is that he's not making any drastic decisions personnel-wise. He's not even going to think about what this team needs at the trade deadline, which is March 8th. Until we get to at least the All-Star break, which is the first full week of February. I'm going to bust out the schedule again here. All-Star break. Yeah. All-Star game is the fourth or the third. Can't remember which. First, first weekend in February. And yeah, fourth. Skills competition on the third. Anyway, um, between now and then, there are 18 more games to be played this Penguins team has been up. It has been down. It has been streaky. It has been inconsistent. It is right now 13, 12, and three, 29 points. Two, just two points out of the final playoff spot, though. All of a sudden, the Caps are in that spot. How the hell did that happen? Um, and furthermore, just four points back of third place in the division. You can take spots two through, let me do math again two through i guess 5-6 in the metro right now and it's only separated by 6 points that's it islanders at 35 you get down to the pens at 29 everybody is jammed in in the metro uh rangers are in the lead and they, they get a 4-point cushion over the aisles uh, but then it's the aisles the fly Islanders at 35, Flyers at 33, and everybody's played 27, 28 games in the Metro. Devils 31, Canes 31, Pens 29. Everybody's packed in. You got one, two, three, four, five teams there within six points of each other, and they've all played 28 games. Devils 27, I think, as of the recording of this podcast. But they're all right there, right next to each other. Did I mention the Caps, too? Okay, they got a couple games in hand. But the point is this. Everybody's packed in. And even if you look at the standings and say, oh man, we're sixth in the wild card race, it's okay. You're you're only two points out of that wild card, that second wild card right now. No need to panic yet. And that's what Kyle Dubas is telling you too, saying, Hey, I'm gonna continue to evaluate what I have. I think everybody can see that the depth lines were not fixed by Dubas in the offseason. And and he's owned that, right? He did the other day when he spoke. He said, Hey, I put this team together. It, it's on us, me specifically to get the personnel right. And they've still got to work on that. Now there are guys out right now. Okay. That Achari, Nieto, um, guys that are important to the bottom six efforts. They've lucked into finding some guys who I think can play important parts. Pustin and finally getting an opportunity. How long have I been yelling for Valtteri Pustinan to get more of an opportunity? Looks great on the power play, by the way. Um, but that's not going to last forever. Brian Rust will be back eventually, and Pustinen will go to the second power play and down to a depth line. Uh, Zahorna, O'Connor, and Eller have seen to hit their... Well, O'Connor hasn't been with that line for a couple of weeks now, uh, but seem to have ebbed more than they flowed in recent games. And so you'll have to reconfigure the bottom six. There, there's no question the Stars, Crosby, Malkin, although has been inconsistent, but Crosby, Malkin, Letang, Carlson, Gensel, Rust when he's healthy are all doing what they're being asked to do in my belief, as far as producing, producing offense, right? It's the bottom six that, that haven't functioned as they should, or at least the fourth line for uh, the bulk of the season and uh, the bottom six in totality, since Ellers, a Horna O'Connor were broken up a couple weeks ago. All of this with 18 games until the All-Star break. And then following the All-Star break, from the All-Star break to the trade deadline, you've got another, let's see, 5, 8, 11, 15 games. 15 games between the All-Star break and the trade deadline. So you got about 30 games or so before, if you're Kyle Dubas, you really need to slam on the gas as far as making deals at the deadline. And that's plenty of time to evaluate. Heck, we're only 28 games into the season right now. But if you look up and here's, here's why things need to become more consistent on the power play specifically, but for this team as a whole, if you look up and you're still right around 500, you're not going to be just two points out of a wildcard spot, more than likely in another 30 games, you're going to be, four, five, six spots, points, pardon me, four, five, six points out of a wild card spot, which is going to be very hard to make up in the final 26 games, I think it is, 26 games, whatever's left, they played 28 plus 30, 56, no, in the final 20, 22 games or so after the deadline. So they got to figure it out between now and the all-star break and prove to Dubas that they're worth adding to stay right there in the conversation. And then in the intervening games between the break and the deadline, they've got to further his belief that they should be added to. Um, This is a team that can't afford the four and five game losing streaks. Because again, if we're talking about 18 games between now and the All-Star break, a four or five game losing streak is a quarter of that inventory, if we want to call it that. That'll really screw up your ability to start to climb the standings or even stay right where you're at and not lose ground in the wildcard chase. It'll be interesting to see. Again, I, I think because of the power play specifically and the way it's functioned over the last couple of games, I feel good about the power play, perhaps fixing some things. We'll see if the depth pieces can start to come along as well. Although it only takes, like, let's, let's say there's, I don't know. 9 or 10 guys that end up playing in your bottom 6 at some point throughout the course of a regular season, okay? It only takes say one or two big games from each of those guys to push you in the direction of not worrying about wild card spots, but being in the top 3 of your division. I mean, look look at Jeff Carter, right? Without Jeff Carter, Do they beat Arizona on Tuesday night? I don't know. They might not. But it takes one more game from Jeff Carter like that this year. Not even. Give me one game like that out of a Lars Eller or a Drew O'Connor or a Redeem Zahorna or whoever it may be, an Achari, a Iedo when they're healthy. Jansen Harkins had his moment Wednesday night in Montreal each of those guys just has one game like that, each of the nine or ten guys that'll spend time in the bottom six at some point has a game while they're in the bottom six where they function as that, whoa, baby, we just won because of that dude. Well, that's going to buy you nine or ten wins. That's a lot over the course of an 82-game season. That's, again, enough to take you from scratching and fighting and clawing in a very stacked Metro division and Eastern Conference wildcard field, to, oh, we're in the top three. Okay, we're feeling good. We may even be at, oh, we're within five points of the division leaders, maybe? That's the kind of stuff that can add up over time. Time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Speaking of adding up over time, I'm going to take a drink of water for this one. Because this is worth getting through uninterrupted. I hereby call... This week's meeting of the Sydney Crosby Appreciation Society to order. I am your president, your vice president, your secretary, and your treasurer, Chris Mack. Uh, if you'd like to apply or run for an elected office as a member of the executive board of the Sydney Crosby Appreciation Society, I will accept your nominations and applications on Twitter at the Chris Mack. Okay. Sidney uh, Crosby continues to throw this team on his shoulders when they absolutely need it most, such as in the second period against the canadiens on wednesday night playing against his boyhood team and the only trip they'll make to quebec province this season Sidney crosby looked like peak Sidney crosby i talked about what he did on the power play earlier he's just i mean the bad angle goal he scored he scored uh the the f- team's first goal of the night on just just classic sid right like i said earlier no one in the in the game the history of the game other than Wayne Gretzky, is better below the goal line or at the goal line than Sidney Crosby. At this point, through the first 28 games, he has 31 points, 17 of them goals, okay? That is a pace for 50 goals and 91 points. Sidney Crosby, at the age of 36, is on pace to finish with 50 goals and 91 points. There have been... Just eight, in the history of the game, just eight 90-point or better seasons by players who were 36 or older at the time. Just one 50-goal season. That was Alex Ovechkin just a couple years ago when he scored 50 goals and 40 assists, 90 points exactly, at the age of 36. The other ones, you may recognize some of these names. Players who at the age of 36 or older had a 90-point or better season. The aforementioned Mr. Gretzky. As a 36-year-old in 1997-98 with the New York Rangers, had 23 goals, 67 assists for a 90-point season. Now, it should be pointed out, I'm not taking anything away from it, but it should be pointed out, 30 of those points came on the power play. For Wayne. But hey, points is points, right? Uh, Alex Ovechkin's 50 goal season in 2021 22 came at the age of 36. I mentioned that. He had 40 assists. I think I also mentioned that to finish with 90 points. Another guy you may recognize, Mario Lemieux, RIP John Barbaro. Uh, At the age of 37 in 2002 2003, Mario Lemieux, (laughs) this is what's craziest, in just 67 games, At 91 points, 28 goals and 63 assists. Wild. Uh, In 1972-73, Johnny Busick for the Bruins at the age of 37 had 93 points, 40 goals, and didn't get a single vote for the Hart Trophy. (laughs) Because he was on a team with Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito. So he wasn't going to get any votes. Uh, Four years later, in the 76-77 season, Jean Rattel with the Bruins after spending uh, the first half of his illustrious career with the Rangers, Jean Rattel had 94 points at the age of 36 in 78 games. Just three left. And yes, you'll recognize the names. The age of 36 in 2007, 2006, 2007, 94 points, including 48 goals. For Anaheim's Timu Solani. Same season. Same season. At the age of 37. With 36 goals and 100 points. Joe Sakic for the Colorado Avalanche. And the best season ever. By a player 36 or older. Happened. In 1968-69, he was 40 at the time, when Mr. Hockey, Gordie Howell, had 44 goals, 103 points, and just nine of those goals came on the power play. He finished fifth in Hart Trophy voting that year, by the way. Yeah. Um, there have been a couple other great 35-year-old seasons. Solani... In 2005-2006, had 90 points. Uh, Sidney Crosby, just last year, 93 points at the age of 35. Wayne Gretzky in 96-97, 97 uh, 97 points. And Martin St. Louis in 2010-2011 had 99 points at the age of 35. Finished third in Hart Trophy voting. The point is this, what you're seeing from Sidney Crosby at this age is magnificent. And what I thought was interesting, when you start to put this in the context of a career, is that it sets Sidney Crosby up beyond this season to start to chase people down, right? Like he did last night, to be quite honest. Uh, after last night's performance, Wednesday night's performance in Montreal, uh, when he passed Paul Coffey for 14th all-time in scoring and tied Mark Reckey, now at 1,533 career points. Uh, by New Year's Day, if not Christmas, depending on how he continues to play, uh, Crosby will pass Joe Thornton for 12th all-time in scoring. He's got six more points to go to tie Thornton, seven to pass him. And quite likely by the end of the season, he'll pass Ray Bork, who is currently 46 points ahead of him. And the aforementioned Phil Esposito, who is right now 10th all time in NHL scoring at 1,590 points, a good 57 ahead of Sidney Crosby. But if Sid stays on pace, then he's got another 60 points in him by the end of the year. So, yeah, it's possible he catches Esposito and gets to the top 10 in scoring in league history by the end of his age 36 season. Which brings us to something I mentioned Josh Yoey earlier from The Athletic. Brings us to something Josh Yoey said in his post game piece for The Athletic, looking uh, at the Pens win in Montreal Wednesday night. I'm going to quote it directly. He said, Crosby is becoming the Tom Brady of his sport, his sustained greatness reaching nearly two decades. I'll add this. For a long time, people have wanted to talk about, well, you got to get ready to transition to the post-Crosby era, you know. People have been saying that for four or five years already. No, you don't. Sid's going to play a long time. Sid's going to play until he's at least 40, and it will not surprise me at all if, like Brady, Sid plays well into his 40s, like 44, 45. Now, there is a question about some of the milestones that he is set to pass if he continues to produce at this prolific of a rate around the age of 40 or between now and the age of 40. And so I did a lot of math earlier today because I wanted to make sure I put in perspective what is setting up for Sidney Crosby over the next five years. Again, let's assume he stays on this pace and finishes the year with 91 points, 50 goals, which would just be, (laughs) would only be the second 50 goal season by a 36-year-old or older in the history of the league. And again, Ovechkin had the first one a couple years ago. So if he stays on this pace, points-wise and goal-wise or right around this pace goal-wise, um, then again, he will pass Phil Esposito by the end of the season for 10th all time in league scoring. 1,593 points. Next year, if he had another 90 point season, and who are we to question that it would happen again or not at the age of 37, which would make it the second best age 37 or older season ever, or third best? <laughs> What's the matter? Freaking awesome! Um, if he had another ninety points next year, and we'll dial him back to like a thirty goal pace, okay. But anyway, he would pass Joe Sakic for ninth all time. Let's say he dips down to like eighty five points for a couple of years, at the ages of thirty eight and thirty nine. Then by April of twenty twenty six, he will have passed Mario Lemieux for eighth all time and Steve Eiserman for seventh all time at 1,755 points. And then in his age 39 season, 2026, 27, he would pass. You ready for this list? As he goes up over 1,850 points. Again, if he stays on this pace, maybe falls off just a bit at age 38, and 39, he would pass Marcel Dion for sixth. Ron Francis for fifth. And. Gordy Howell, for fourth all-time in scoring, he would be up again around 1,850 points or so. So let's say Sid gets to his age 40 season, and he's had his contract extended by the Penguins, so maybe he's signed all the way out through like 41-42 but let's just talk about the age 40 season, okay? If he's still scoring 30 goals a year, and again, he's on pace for 50 this year, but if he's he's scoring 30 goals a year and 85, 90 points, by the time we get to his age 40 season, he's going to be on pace for right around this time of year, the holidays, to pass Mark Messier for third all time in NHL scoring, and presumably around that same time, pass Mario Lemieux a 690 goal mark, become the Penguins' all-time leading goal scorer as well. That same season, again, assuming the same pace and knock on wood, health prevails, he would pass Yarmer Yager. later that year, probably in the spring sometime of his age 40 season for second all-time in NHL scoring. Yager sits at 1921 points at that point in his age 40 season, Sidney Crosby would sit. Oh, say, I don't know, a good 800 points shy of Wayne Gretzky still, but would be second all time in NHL scoring would be 40 years old. And presumably Malkin and or Letang would probably have hung them up by that point. And Jay Kensel and Brian Rust wouldn't be getting any younger either for that matter. Uh, Eric Carlson would be gone by that point, most likely. Um, Who knows what the team may look like. But if he, if for some reason he wanted to keep going, he, he could, he could. Catch Gretzky for goals. You say, wait a second. Come on. Well, let's say he gets another 30 this year. He's on pace again for 50. And right now, to this point in the season, he's got 17. Okay. Not unrealistic. And then averages 30 for the next nine years. And you're saying, nine years? Good Lord. Sid's not a kid anymore, Chris. Well, Sidney Crosby's 36. Tom Brady played football, and that's how this comparison started, remember? Tom Brady played football until he was 45. That's another nine years, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So let's say that he piled up 30 goals a year on average for another nine years following this year. And let's assume, again, health prevailing, knock on wood, he gets to 50 this year. You're going to get him from where he sits right now at 567 goals to 867 goals. I mentioned at some point he would pass Mario Lemieux probably around his age 40 season and would rapidly approach Yarmir Yagers 766 and then Gordie Howe third all time at 801. Alex Ovechkin currently sits second at 827. And Wayne Gretzky, first all-time at 894 goals. It used to feel like a fait accompli that Ovechkin would catch Gretzky, but we can see he he may not get there. Age is affecting him. But let's say Ovechkin does catch Gretzky. Let's say Ovechkin gets to just, just... fights it off, fights off father time until he gets to 900. Man, that's a lot. It's another 73 goals. But let's say he gets there. He's a Vetchkin after all. You can just stand in that circle on, on the power play for another four years until he gets it if it takes that long. And you're telling me that if he continues to score at a decent rate and again, health prevailing, again, I'll knock on Wood a third time, Sidney Crosby starts to approach that, that he won't keep playing? Look, up until and through the age of 40, like we talked about, there's milestones to be had. He's passing Sackick for ninth, Mario for 8th, Iserman for 7th. Each one of these names, Dion 6th, Francis 5th, Howe 4th, Messier 3rd, Yager 2nd, each of these names is hockey royalty. And Sidney Crosby, you better believe wants to cement his place amongst hockey's royalty, simply being top 10 in something not going to be good enough. Now, he wants the Cups too, and he loves, loves the team atmosphere. It's why you, you can see the look in his eyes when he gets presented with a, a giant plaque by Malkin and Latang at the start of the season, right? Like, he loves those guys. They're his family as much as his own family, his blood. But if he keeps scoring at this rate and looks up at the age of 44, and he's only 50 goals shy of catching the all time goal scoring lead, whether it's still Gretzky at 894 or Ovechkin at 895 or 900, you don't think he's going to keep gunning for that if he can keep scoring goals? If he stays in shape? I mean,. I think it's possible. I do. And so with that, I will call this the latest meeting of the Sidney Crosby Appreciation Society to adjourn. Motion seconded? Seconded. Okay. Couldn't hear the fake person in that corner in my imagination because they were off camera and off mic. It's just something to think about, man. I, I just when, when I saw someone else latch onto the Brady Crosby comparison the way Josh did in his column, Josh Yoey, uh, I thought, You're absolutely right. And Brady kept playing to satisfy not just his team-centric goals, but I think to prove to everyone that he was really the GOAT, right? The greatest of all time. Watch me go to Tampa of all places, right? And I'll win there. I don't need you, Belichick. I don't need you, Kraft. I'll go do it there. And he did. Crosby, I don't think, has a desire to go anywhere to prove it. But at the very least... At the very least, I think he's, he's driven to prove some things as we continue to get to those points in his career. And if he's got an opportunity to prove one of the biggest things of all, I think he'd keep going. Plus he loves the game too much to just walk away. All right. So real quick glance at the schedule and then talk about where this thing goes from here for the pens with a two, two game winning streak. That's a streak, gentlemen. Um, They go to Toronto to conclude the dad's trip on Saturday night. And then, like I said, home for the wild on Monday, the 18th home against the hurricanes on the 21st before going to Ottawa on the 23rd and then getting the three day Christmas break Win three out of these four. Like if, if you lose one of the two to either Carolina or Toronto, I guess I can live with it, but do me a favor. Don't, don't lose to Ottawa. Don't don't lose to Minnesota. You're better than both of those teams. Everyone's better than Ottawa right now, pretty much. And Minnesota's struggling to find their sea legs, too. Beat both of those teams. They've both both lost a whole lot more than they've won. You're the Penguins. You're still scratching and fighting, clawing around 500. but these last two games have proven that you know what it takes. All you got to do is listen to the coach. Do what coach asks and let Sid throw you on his back sometimes. Win three out of these next four. And I think we'll feel a whole lot better when we wake up Christmas morning and the Penguins with, say, six more points underneath the tree waiting for us. Thanks again for listening to Fifth Avenue Faceoff, presented by Armstrong Business Solutions. Again, go to armstrongonewire.com. And thanks to them again for jumping on board as a sponsor of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe however you get your podcast, but especially in your free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Follow Fifth Avenue Faceoff there to get notified as soon as new episodes are available. And thanks again for watching, if you did so, on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube channel. I'm Chris Mack for Greg Finley producing, who always does a wonderful job. Thank you. We'll talk to you again very soon right here in this spot for Fifth Avenue Faceoff.